Welcome to Peace Teachings Podcast, where we explore, cultivate, and celebrate our spiritual nature together. I'm Jennifer Norton. And I'm Paola Castro, and it is our joy to bring to you this wisdom teachings. Welcome to the Peace Teachings Podcast. Have you ever met someone that you felt was already living their life to its fullest? Someone who, from your perspective, is the full embodiment of their life's purpose. And so you get to bask in wonderment and admiration while being wildly inspired by this individual to live your own life to its fullest potential and even to seek out more beauty, more joy, more self-liberation and self-empowerment than you'd previously ever imagined possible. Have you ever met someone like that? Well, I have. And today's peace teacher Reverend Jason Davion Mitchell is one who lives up to such a description. Indeed, we are so excited to share him with you. Mm. Yes, our guest today is a celebrated Reverend at Agape International Spiritual Center in Los Angeles. He is a master teacher at the Agape University of Transformational Studies, as well as being a sought-after spiritual practitioner, metaphysician, and counselor, and the co-director of the ecclesiastical order that is the professional practitioner core of this global community we call Agape, of which Jane and I are part as well, and we're very proud of that. And he also serves as the director for Agape's Sacred Service Ministry. He's also a facilitator with BEAM, Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective, which is a national training movement and grant-making institution that is dedicated to the healing, wellness, and liberation of Black and marginalized communities. Yes, and not only. For the last 10 years, Jason has led and continues to lead his very own spiritual community through what he calls our Daily Prayer Call, ODPC which is online. It's a morning devotional call where people from around the globe gather, myself included, in prayer and affirming the truth and engaging in transformational discussions led by Jason. And this is on both Facebook and Instagram, where you can find him teaching and and preaching and guiding with his whole heart. And we'll get into that uh, a bit in a minute, but for now, let us welcome you, Reverend Jason, to the Peace Teachings Podcast. We are so, so pleased to have you here as our guest. Oh, it's so amazing to be here, and it's so amazing to hear about myself a little bit. That sounded amazing. <laughs> you might have to record that for some, for me as well. That sounded amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh, I do do that, don't I? <laughs> and so much more. Yes, you do. That's so nice. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get into your service, because that's definitely something that we associate with you. We know that uh, you serve the community with uh, by serving youth, that you facilitate workshops, that you do group counseling, um, spiritual counseling, individual counseling, couples counseling. You advise business leaders. Um, you are yourself a student of truth. And, um, and it is safe to say that you are constantly leading through service. And, you know, when I think of spending time with you in an intimate conversation such as this, Jason, a, a plethora of beautiful ideas and suggestions arise as to what we can discuss. 
Um, in Italian, when you have a plethora of options, you say, abbiamo l'imbarazzo della scelta. We have an embarrassment of choices. To yeah. <laughs> so that. many. Isn't that beautiful? What oh, we can discuss it. with you. And so, um, truthfully, you do, you bring so much to the table with your vast services and ways of showing up as a reverend, a practitioner, and a teacher. And also, Paula and I recognize that you're way more than any role that you may step into or any title that you might wear. So all of that said, if you were to describe your life's work as a way of introducing yourself to our listeners, what would you say? You know, I'll begin with something I take from Reverend Kathleen is um, my life's work is to be a student of myself. Um, I just I just started listening to a podcast, uh, not a podcast. I started listening to the audio book of um, Will Smith's book, Will. Mm -hmm. And so I was listening to the first couple of chapters and I was just thinking about what detail he knows about his own life, the level of which he can articulate his journey. And so it made me reflect upon how much of my journey that I'm just constantly studying how I'm reaching back, not to find my identity, but I'm reaching back constantly, seeing the lessons, seeing the growth, and I'm realizing how much I've been able to learn that wasn't in books, that wasn't in um, classrooms, specifically by actually tuning into my own self, uh, to look at my relationships with my parents, to look at the relationships and relationships that I had growing up to look at friendships to look at my relationships to money to look at my relationships to nature to look at all of those things and as i look at myself i found myself to be one who was raised deeply spiritual probably before i was six or seven and then when my parents divorced and eventually i would primarily live with my father who was a spiritual man but didn't talk about god ever not really. And didn't we didn't go to church ever. And so whenever spiritual things would happen, I would end up spending time with my mother's side of the family. But there was always a constant awareness that there was so much more than the world around us. There was always an idea, not just of Christianity, that, though that was my primary lens of seeing spirituality, but there was just always more. There was always more around the corner. There was always more in the earth digging in the ground. There was always more looking up at the sky. And so as I start looking at all the ways that I am in the world now, they were certainly built layer by layer, brick by brick, uh, you know, pouring the cement into uh, a, a, a space that allowed me to eventually get some footing. Because along the way, there were lots of times where I didn't have footing, where um, there was a season where I left my Christian church and upbringing uh, following a, a divorce at the time. And then the next year, I discovered the Agape International Spiritual Center that eventually I would realize a friend had been inviting me to or had invited me to several years before, and I had wholly rejected the idea. Mm. And so here I am now about to be 18 years ago since I walked through the doors of Agape in Culver City. And it's an intricate part of my life and, and, and maybe an intricate part of my life for the rest of my life, at least in the very least 
I'll be connected to it and it will have birthed things in me because of my affiliation, my study and my work at Agape. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. And and so when you are um, teaching your students, teaching us, um, I, I can tell by my own experience with you, when, when you speak, we can hear the consciousness behind your words. We can hear that work of being a student of your own life. Um, but not everyone who's listening have been the, the have had the privilege to be in a class with you. So when you're teaching your students, what is the message or the main messages that you want to convey um, that you would like for yeah students or people to to get from you? The first thing that comes up when I hear that question is that they already have all the things that they need within them. Mm-hmm. Right. Our world, so much of our world has been built because of the power structures in the material world that we live in, whether we live in a capitalistic regime, whether we're in Italy, whether we're in France, whether we're in Germany, the United States. So many of the structures are built trying to control humanity. They want people to do this. They want people to do that. They want them to get up at this time to go to these classes, learn these things, not things that make you better people, right? That's not what many of the education systems of our governments are here to do. They're not here to make us to discover the best of ourselves. They're here to teach us math, to teach us science, to teach us these rigorous, very boxed in concepts and ideas, which can serve us. But none of those things that are part of the academic curriculum of most nations are about making the best people possible. Yeah. And so along that journey, as I was talking about actually this morning on ODPC, this morning we were talking about what were those experiences like when you were in elementary school, middle school, high school, growing up? What did it feel like to answer questions and have the answer? And what did it feel like to answer questions and be wrong? Mm -hmm. And how many of those energies are you still living out today? Mm -hmm. Not because you believed something about yourself when you gave an answer that was incorrect, but because of the information you received about yourself when you gave an answer that was incorrect. Were you admonished? Were you encouraged? Were you edified? Were you built up? Not always were you considered, oh, too smart for your own good because you knew the answers. Were you rewarded only when you did well, but not rewarded when you had struggles absorbing concepts in algebra, trigonometry, uh, deciphering uh, larger ideas when you're doing reading literature. And so much of that stuff has stayed with us into adulthood. And so what I always want people to understand is I don't have any answers for you. You have answers for you. Every answer you need is within you. There is no greater intelligence than me. There's no greater intelligence in a Nobel Peace Prize winner. There's no greater intelligence in a CEO of Fortune 500 company. Everything you need is within you. The thing that you have to be willing to do is to uncover to unlearn and to accept the gifts, the talents, the abilities are actually there. 
that they're actually within you. And I'm always wanting to send people back to themselves, to themselves that doesn't primarily identify as a son or daughter of their parent, to themselves that doesn't particularly identify as race or sexual orientation or gender identity, to the self that recognizes that they have all those roles, that they have all of these experiences, and still there is more than they have yet to birth or discover. Mm. So it is. <laughs> so good. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Beautifully expressed, Reverend Jason. And thank you for, for what I can call self-empowerment. You have this beautiful gift for just bringing us all down from the mountaintop so that we can embrace ourselves and one another in equanimity and trust and kindness. Uh, I just really honor that about you. And, and I'm grateful that you are one of my teachers and that you're a living example of that reflection that you just shared. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for being a, a, a person who has contributed to my own self-trust, my own self-empowerment and, and, self-knowledge self-knowing it's my pleasure Paula and my I, oh my goodness and mine as well <laughs> I, <laughs> I truly am blessed for you thank you yeah Paula and I as we mentioned in the bio are uh, in the introduction of you we are licensed spiritual practitioners and we just recently had a monthly gathering led by you my good man and you led us in a meditation. Oh my gosh, it was incredibly powerful. And uh, and you also shared with us a reading and you brought us into the conversation with what we call an evocation. And you really touched me as you were speaking of your gratitude around being alive and the blessing it is to be in physical form in this earth realm. Yes. And I'm wondering if we can, probably with your genius, we can tie together what you've just shared, which is each individual has innate genius and wisdom within them, all that they need already mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. them. Can we somehow tie that in with the art of gratitude and anything you'd like to share with us around the frequency of gratitude or the practice of uh, beginning prayer or beginning meditation with a bit of gratitude? What what values does it have in your life? And what, what insights could you share with us around that? Yeah, th this could be the rest of the podcast, right? Like, <laughs> gratitude has become a part of our popular culture. And with good reason. Uh, not just because of Oprah, but Oprah and her powerful platform and how she wielded it brought things into people's practice, like having a gratitude list and having a gratitude journal and coming to Agape as I did in uh, 2005. I remember entering into that space and just you know, I don't remember it the way a lot of people do, like they remember every detail and every 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 grand granular aspect of it. But I just remember a feeling of safety, of comfort, of belonging. And along the way, 
actual teachings about gratitude were introduced to me through our mutual teacher, Reverend Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith, and subsequent teachers within the community, uh, Reverend Dr. Cheryl Ward, uh, Reverend Greta Shishida, Reverend Dr. Coco Stewart, I could go on and on with all the teachers, Reverend Joanne Coleman, Reverend Dr. Maisha Hazard. And so just so many people at some point said something about gratitude. And I remember just being brought to my attention at some point that there is literally something to be grateful for in everything. And I, I realized even at some point that I crossed a threshold that even in my most difficult, in my most painful moments, that when I had an, a consciousness and awareness to be able to look back at them, in the moment, I wasn't able to detect it. But eventually, with hindsight, with a sincere looking back to look for the pearls, the gifts, and understanding, not the why the thing happened to me, but to look at all that what was happening to me, right? The why can, can get me caught in the mystery too much as if I am holding God's hand and we're writing it together. And I don't know why it's going up making a J instead of going down making an L. I, I could get caught in that. But if I look for the what and I look at the, the what's that happened to me, and where I was and who I was with and, and how the journey came out of it, I see the jewels. Mm -hmm. I see the precious elements that are beyond value. And I'm able to see now so much gratitude for things like pain. It's uh, the time where we begin to show honor and appreciation for the, like, the life of Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm -hmm. And I brought in some of his teachings when I wrote my ministerial thesis, him, Ernest Holmes, Howard Thurman, uh, because my, my thesis topic was the mysterious ministry of pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. And I never would have imagined writing about the gift that's in pain, the gift that's in suffering, and even contradicting some of my teachers and how some, some of these ideas that we kind of toss around. And I just found gratitude, immense gratitude, eventually, in the transition of my father. Mm -hmm. My father made his transition in 09, or in 2014, getting my numbers mixed up, in 2014. And I realized that I was opened up to a greater gateway into my relationship with him that we were not able to have when he was here on earth. Mm. Because suddenly after he transitioned, his friends were telling me stories about him that I couldn't get from him or that I didn't have about him. And my father wasn't a communicator on the emotional level. He wasn't a communicator. He never told me his entire life that I recall a single story of his childhood. I don't know that he was hiding it. He just didn't talk about it. None of them did. My uncle, my aunt, and I wasn't a, in, uh, I didn't inquire in that way as a young person. But the way he shows up in my life now, because I'm so present to the idea of his absence, he's not gone. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm presence to the idea that he's not here in the physical. Oh, I'm so grateful for him. I'm so grateful for his sacrifice. I'm able to see now what he did and allowed me to become and all the sacrifices he made in his way, in the unique way. There was just so much grace. There's so much forgiveness. And the relationship is just so light. I couldn't have had that. I didn't have access to that while he was alive. Grateful for him, loved him, but that dynamic completely shifted. And just over the years since he's, his transition, all of the limited ideas and the unforgiveness and the wish my dad would have done something or been something different than he was just disintegrated. And I was able to reintegrate with the divine idea of the father that God and I chose on this journey for the highest expression. So when I start thinking about how gratitude is in everything, I think about my, I think I'm constantly thinking about the people who transitioned because several people in my family during that time window, it would be my father, then it would be my grandmother, then it would be my uncle, then it would be my aunt. So that all those people on my father's side of the family would transition in a short period of time of about six years. And then um, I realized I was getting these immense gifts from all of their lives. And then I would look further back to my divorce. And I was like, I got agape because of my divorce. I got these teachings because I went into a relationship that did not work. And I left a relationship and found myself a year later at agape. And so just constantly I'm propelled and I'm seeing things and I'm now working with clients and I see people and I'm like, Oh, I can see the good that's in the most painful, difficult situations and circumstances. And so now I realize, to loop this back to our teaching, why Reverend Michael switched from a five-step prayer treatment process when I kind of got to Agape, it was evolving, and then it became a part of the curriculum where we have a six-step prayer treatment process. Because when you're When you want to go into prayer, sometimes the pain or the anguish or your emotional identification with a situation or circumstance will make it challenging for you to tap into spirit and to speak your word. But if you really tap into gratitude, Hmm. whether you're praying or not, it'll allow you to get what you need in every moment. So that was kind of what I was grateful for in the meeting, just the immense gratitude I had for the opportunity to walk this journey with the practitioners, knowing some of their stories, knowing what some of them are working through, watching how they show up in their families and their communities, how they teach. Oh, it's magnificent. It is. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. And uh, and thank you for sharing that your thesis was around, did you say, the gifts of the ministry of suffering and pain? Mm-hmm. The, the mysterious ministry of pain and suffering. Oh, wow. That's, I, I would love to read it. <laughs> if I'm you ever want to make too. a book, yeah. that's it. I got to expand on it. Yeah. I love yeah, it because it. I have... Um, a big question around this. And my, the other day, a friend sent me this, um, on a voice message. She is a helping her dad transition. 
um, you know, her dad is in the midst of accepting that this is the end and, you know, it's taking a while. She is with him and uh, the, the amount of pain from his side, from her mother's side, from her, it's, it's immense, but she's an awakened being and she's a very um, diligent student. And she's like, I'm trying to navigate uh, the, the, the fine line between being present being present and um, not going into the thoughts that come into my mind that create so much suffering because she said, when I go into those thoughts, I am down in, you know, in hell, I'm trapped. I'm completely consumed by this pain. But then I judge myself because I'm no longer present. But then when I'm present, I'm asking myself, am I, am I running away from the pain? So we were having this discussion and, you know, it took me a couple of days to say something, but I would love to hear from you. And I think you gave us a piece, which is the power of gratitude. Um, um, what would you say to someone that is going through something like this, a death of someone or uh, a death of a career or an identity crisis, whatever pain is arising for people and, and navigating um, gratitude, being present and, you know, the natural suffering of our human existence when something is leaving or, or is hurting, changing, changing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. All of those dramatic, just very, uh, just shaking the foundation of us, right? The first thing that I'm always aware of is to begin from a place of there's no word that I'm going to say that's going to take away your experience. So the first thing that I really want people to understand when I talk to them is that I get that much of what you're going through is beyond articulation. It's, 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 it's unfathomable the depth of the pain that you're feeling. It may be a pain that you've never experienced before. It may be an identity crisis that you never experienced before. Just how could you not know or how, like, like so many question marks. It may be just like, you know, like a text message with exclamation point question marks over and over again. And the next thing that I want people to understand is you're not here to bypass the emotional aspect of this. This is going to break you open. Mm -hmm. It's going to expand you. Mm -hmm. It's not going to break you because you're fragile. It's not going to break you because you're not pliable. It's going to touch the edges of your known existence. The idea <laughs> of pain that you've experienced, the idea of your familiar world that you've experienced, it's going to press you out up against, as Reverend Michael used to talk about the egg and how long the chick is inside the egg. It's, it's in there until it decides that it's too small and it doesn't have everything it needs inside the egg. So it pecks its way out. The pain and suffering that we will carry because of the walking a, a loved one to the edge of eternity and, and be preparing them to step off or nursing back a loved one from a significant physical uh, disability or event. It's going to require some aspect of us that has never existed before because very few of us have ever done that. Sure, some people who are nurses and doctors end up caring for their loved ones, or sure, some people lose these things, but we get pushed beyond the ego and its known identity of self. 
And so the only thing we can do is actually be in it if we want to get through it. One of the songs that uh, Michael Beckwith and Ricky Byers wrote, one of the lyrics is, the way out is the way through. The only way you get out of it is to go through it. The scripture in the Bible that talks about, yea, though I walk, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And so we have to learn that there are going to be tools that we're going to need to get through. Mm-hmm. There are going to be skills that we're going to need to get through. And going through this may be the day that we strap on our tool belt. We may have never needed this particular tool belt, but going through these situations, we're going to strap on this tool belt. We don't know it unless we're supported by a practitioner friend like Paula who can give us some guidance or Jennifer. Generally speaking, most of us go through these things and we aren't attached to a rich spiritual community and teaching. Not enough of the world is so that they know that they're going to connect to somebody else who've walked similar steps before where we're at, at agape without using names. We're in great support of a wonderful uh, member of our community. And several of us are surrounding that person and supporting them. But we also have another person who walked that journey with a family member themselves. And so we're able to extrapolate. Oh, I'm so grateful that that person went through that already. That person's grateful that they went through it. And so they're dispensing the knowledge and wisdom to us. And so the knowledge and wisdom about life and how to walk this journey, even though it's still painful, even though it's still sad, even though it's still difficult, oh, that intelligence is there. And we didn't have to go reinvent the wheel and discover some idea that never existed. And it's there. And so we surround ourselves in community and we surround ourselves by support systems. And for me, I finally, not today, but I'm at the point in my journey where I'm able to be grateful for all of that sooner than ever before. The way I describe it, my snapback is faster. Right. The place where I drift away from what I know and I feel like I can't remember and I'm really sad. and I'm really hurt. But then I remember who I am. I had started using a phrase in ODPC is I know who the faith I am. I know my faith. I know my faith. I know it. So when some when I'm going through something, sometimes I'll be like, I know who the faith I am. I'm a son <laughs> of the most high. I know who the faith I am. I am abundant. I know who the faith I am. All of my needs are met, and I can know that about you. Oh, I love that. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I know who the faith I am. I'm going to start you. Yeah, I'm keeping that one. <laughs> so good. Mm. Thank you. You know, I'll share something with you, Jason. When Paul and I rather recently were visioning, and we came together just after graduation, very rather recently, six, seven months ago. And uh, we decided to collaborate with one another based on our immediate recognition of each other. And uh, we said, let's dream, like just share whatever you want. We're going through life visioning processes. Everything that you could imagine this podcast might want to be, let's write it down and then we'll see. And uh, we treated ourselves to 
a very private, although I'm I'm airing it now, to a list of people that we would have to and want to communicate with this podcast to come into fruition. And you were <laughs> immediately named and listed on this very special document. And next to your name, I wrote the word joy. And there are several people on that list, none of whom were assigned a spiritual quality other than you. <laughs> and I can't explain it much beyond the obvious, which is you bring me joy mm. and you are a joy machine and a lover of life. And that is evident whether you and I are separated by oceans or whether we're standing hand in hand next to one another, the palpable palpability, the the realness of your joie de vivre, your joy of life is, is just massive. And so with a nod to that wonderful visioning period that Paula and I were engaged in, in particular, the nod towards you and the spiritual quality of joy. Creating another bridge, this time from the practice of gratitude to the spiritual quality of joy. What say thee, good <laughs> sir, around the suggestion of joy? This life is funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can just feel my tear ducts beginning to flow. And there's nothing behind it but joy for joy. <laughs> and so I, I, I had... I went through a long journey of accepting that I am silly. <laughs> right. You, yeah. Yeah. I, if you've, if you've ever heard a talk that I've done, which I believe you have at some point, my voice modulates, I impersonate something or somebody, or I'm singing, you know, there, there, I was, I, I count myself very fortunate. There was not a lot of sadness in my childhood. I have one, one person who can say that for most of my life, the pillar people, grandparents, parents, cousins, uncles, aunts were all alive, all around. Not a lot of, not a lot of great trauma or tragedy. There were challenges in, in relationships, but None of that heavy, deep stuff that I hear other people walk in their journey. But for me, allowing myself to be silly as an adult was an effort because I was, a lot of times I found myself, I'm no longer the 20 or 30 year old in the room, but I found myself as the 20 year old or the, around some uh, most people late 30s or 40s. Or I found myself where my colleagues, like I worked for a, a, a homeless services organization for the unhoused in downtown Los Angeles. And I was managing a program, but I was one of the younger program managers compared to other people. And so we'd be in these stuffy, stodgy meetings talking about these things. And I just would just be like, oh, there's just so many jokes moving through my head. I'm in wow. meetings and just like, <laughs> do you hear how silly this sounds? And over time, I, I would learn from someone who has one of the 
best senses of humor, but most people don't always encounter it until they get either closer to her or they're in work with her. But Reverend Coco, Reverend Dr. Coco Stewart from Agape, Mm -hmm. she is hilarious. (laughs) And she also deals with death on a regular basis. (laughs) And I realized eventually when I would start going to funerals and I would start being at repasses and when people would sit and we would be together, that joy constantly was found in all of these services. And then now as a minister, as I'm officiating services, there's almost always some ridiculously funny story that somebody tells. Some people go a little far, some people, but joy I found everywhere and is an essential aspect of who we are. And so many people don't have it. They don't allow themselves to have it. It's a, it's, I wasn't sure the question you were asking me, you would ask me today, but as as we began to talk just before we began, when we talk, when you mentioned joy, I just thought about how much of it is a lubricant. Joy is just an oil. Joy makes so many of the like heavy machinery aspects of life, having to bury a loved one, having to risk risk birthing a child, Mm -hmm. having to change careers, having to relocate to places where you don't have, like joy can carry us in all of these places and spaces, which doesn't cause us to spiritually bypass. Mm -hmm. We don't bypass the necessary aspects of the human condition that must grow, that we must develop just to feel good. Mm -hmm. But we do not have to check our joy at the door, just because we're in mourning. Everyone I've ever been sad about that I was close to when they transitioned, I laughed with, I cut up with, I shared great moments with. And so I'm able to remember that the joy doesn't leave just because I'm sad they're not here in the physical and we can't break bread together or we can't clink glasses together anymore. And so joy, It's got to be a part of my survival pack. Joy has got to be something uh, like for a little stint. I don't think I've ever said this in any of my spiritual spaces. So you, you get to hear this here first. So for a little window, I thought about doing stand up comedy. And so for a while, I was just watching standups, watching standups, watching, listening, any interview that I could find. I was learning. And a buddy of mine, who's one of my really good friends, Derek. He was a stand-up comedian, but in his in his real life, he had two MBAs. He was like working really hard. He was working with youth and children and uh, foster care and homes and different kinds of different kinds of. Things. And then he would later leave that to go become a physician. So he's a doctor now. So he's Doctor Derek. But he had a stand-up comedy venue, and I did like a like a, a quick little mini five-minute or less set of stand-up comedy. And that was the only time I ever did it. And I was grateful that I did. Wow. But I just, I just realized how essential joy as our state of being, as a quality of us is. And we have to have it. And yes. when we don't have it, oh, it's a desert. Mm-hmm. It feels like soil that can't 
that can't bear fruit, that you that can't grow the roots. Like you can dig as deep as you can, but you can't find good soil sometimes in your life when you don't have joy. And I understand when people go through phases where they can't tap into that, yeah. but it's innate. It's mm-hmm. so innate that we see babies laughing mm-hmm. and they don't know that they're laughing and they're not repeating something that they've seen. They're not mimicking. They don't have that ability yet. Mm-hmm. It's their manner of communicating. <laughs> that's what they've got. <laughs> that's what the babies have. And that's what we all have if we will remember to tap into it. Oh, so oh. good. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that you said it's oil, it's a lubricant. It, it allows us to go through the through life with more ease and more grace. Thank you. And it's one of the highest frequency when you're in joy and laughter and bliss. Um, it's, we could say it's it's probably one of the most powerful spiritual practices. Oh, no, without question. I, I, I think about, I think about comedians. And if you, if you will read the biographies of comedians, I'm, I'm getting bigger and bigger into biographies mm-hmm. and you hear people's stories you'll know that the funniest people on stage at some point mm-hmm. went through great pain. Yes. And so it cost them to be that funny. Mm-hmm. But what it birthed in humanity, their willingness to go through what they went through and to turn their poison into pleasure, into joy, yes. amplifies and blesses the world in a magnificent way. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And and talking about practices, well, you've mentioned a few. You mentioned gratitude. You've mentioned um, being the student of ourselves, going within, remembering that we have all of the answers. Um, Enjoy. Um, What is your current favorite go-to practice? Um, Something that you have very active... I don't know about you, but you know, I'm constantly changing and I have my seasons and when I have this go-to practice right now. So what is your current go-to practice? And if you'd be so kind to share with us um, what that uh, is. You know, there are a couple of things that begin to come to mind. And the one thing that has been a constant practice is showing up for other people. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it, it may not resonate as a spiritual practice, but it absolutely is. Uh, earlier last year in 2022, a friend of mine who I've known since 08 or 09, but I haven't seen like and spent time with in about five or six years, the mother of his son transitioned. And so... We used to participate in a a group of guys that put on events together. And I made an effort to show up at that woman's memorial service, the mother of his son. And it was primarily people on her side of the family there because they weren't together anymore. You know, she was, you know, everybody's life had shifted, but that was his son's mother. But he didn't really have, when I arrived, I realized he didn't have anybody showing up for him. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I wasn't sure how many people would be there. But when I realized that, I was so grateful that I made the effort to do that. 
he would later say in kind and how meaningful it was. And his son, you know, I got a chance to acknowledge him and speak some words into his life. But the ability to be present with people as a spiritual practice, mm. to really be with people, mm. right? It's not always convenient, right? It's not always convenient to set aside judgments, to set aside time, to make sacrifices of, of you know, this isn't fun, right? It's not always fun to show up for people, but it's a part of my calling. <laughs> and so I, I can get a little frustrated sometimes when I have things that bump up against each other, always then defaulting to knowing that everything functions in divine order. But I'm really clear that one of my practices is showing up. And, and especially now, I, I got married four months ago, three, a little more than three months ago. And Congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and I realize continually in my relationship that in this level of relationship, even though we were already together for three years, the desire to really show up for my wife, for her family, her way of showing up for me is ministry. We're ministering to each other's hearts. We're supporting each other in ways that life would not have been. We could not have predicted the path that life would have taken over the last year. But the way that we support each other and show up for each other has taken us to another level in consciousness. And so I see that when I show up for my friends, when I make phone calls that are, I don't feel like talking to anybody. I didn't want to lay down and be on the couch and just mm -hmm. veg out. But yeah, I should call my brother or I should call my mom or I should call somebody. Just those little ways of showing up have been ways that I've called myself forward uh, to do even more. And so my practice is showing up. Wow. That. Mm, need to hear that myself today. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's true. Like sometimes it's, you, you know, you want to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, and I mm -hmm. think that that's what all of our spiritual, our, our true spiritual practices, right? Um, Denzel Washington has this wonderful quote that I cannot repeat to you, but he talks about how discipline is what gets us through the high times and the low times still being disciplined. I'm still doing my meditation. I'm still mm -hmm. doing my prayer. I'm still showing up. I still make my donations. I still am in service. In those places where what the stock market is stock market is doing doesn't have any impact on how I show up. You know what, you know whether or not there's a wedding or something's inconvenient, I'm showing up. This thing over here, somebody needs this that and the other, I'm showing up. And that, there's a balance to it. But our ability to recognize that our show up is the thing that when our life gets hard, when we do go through the seeming downturns, that we have those practices that bring us back to the surface. And, you know, it's, it's an indescribable uh, gift that the presence has laid out in the, in the spiritual law of the universe, that those practices carry us when we can't carry ourselves. Beautiful. Mm, thank you. Yes. And really recognizing how you show up, how you serve, 
uh, is unique to you. And again, so very powerful. You are a blessing in my life and in all of the lives fortunate enough to have crossed path with paths with yours, be it briefly or for a longer period of time. I'm getting this sense that uh, were I listening to this conversation, I would I would simply because I'm feeling this way right now as Jennifer, I just want more of you. Like, thank God one of your go-to practices is service. <laughs> and thank you, because you're in high demand, my darling, and uh, you serve so well that you only leave us wanting more. And so with that fact stated, uh, and I'll sign my name to that because it is a fact, uh, and, and keeping in mind that we will put every link, every possible way that our listeners can connect with you. We will share that on the episode, you know, somewhere in the description. Yes. That said, um, give our listeners just a little bit of, of maybe an invitation or an idea of if they want you, they've heard this episode and now they want a bit of Reverend Jason in their life. Where can they turn right now? after finishing this episode to go get a bit of you in their life. Absolutely. I'm easy to find on Facebook. My name is very Googleable. Uh, Jason Davion Mitchell will take you to my Facebook page. And there are two pages. One is a public profile. And so that's the page you want to look for. And for 10 years, I've been doing our daily prayer call. And I want to say for about four or more of those years, we've been doing it on Facebook Live. So you can always go back and listen to the archives of the teachings that I've been doing Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. each day, and you can find all of that information there. It also goes live on Instagram, and the handle is Conscious Lens, the word Conscious, L-E-N-S. You can find me there on Conscious Lens, and if you go to Agape Spiritual or AgapePractitioners.com, so that's Agape practitioners.com, all one word. You can find all about our agape licensed spiritual practitioners. And you can also send me a direct message there. If you want to invite me to come work with your company, to come work with you, to come work with your family, or just to discuss deeper ideas and what's moving through your consciousness in our world. So I'm available. Indeed. Wonderful. And how fortunate we are for that. Uh, Jason, will you come back again at some point, any point in the future so we can continue this? Absolutely. <laughs> I would be honored. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. And excited for the world that you guys are, uh, that you folks are bringing this to the world. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being with us today and for sharing your beautiful, powerful consciousness and everything that you said. I'm I'm going to have a lot of fun putting this episode together, meaning the little snippets so that people get excited to come and watch the episode. So thank you everyone for listening and share this episode with your friends, like it, comment it. We love you and we are so grateful for you. Yes. And hashtag, I know who the faith I am. <laughs> That's okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> and love and peace to all thank you reverend jason thank you absolutely it's been my honor peace and blessings peace and blessings this has been a peace teaching thank you for being an active listener in this sacred conversation we love you we appreciate you and we bless your life peace be with you